We are continuing our journey through the Beatitudes. And we've covered the first four Beatitudes or blessings of Jesus. And you'll have noticed, I said last week, that they focus on our relationship with God. They are really to do with, if you read those first four, they're to do with how we relate with God. Now, the next four that we're looking at, they have a clear focus on our relationship with other people. And I think it's quite amazing that Jesus' manifesto, Jesus' teaching on what it means to be a follower of Jesus, talks about our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. And the interesting thing is that when you look at how Jesus brought those in, they are not the way we would naturally do it, and they're certainly not the way that the world would do that. So we come to merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, although we understand the word mercy, it's actually not a very common term in the UK. You know, it's not a headline that you often see in terms of mercy. It's not a phrase that you come across on people's lips a lot when you're out and about in community. And I think part of that is due to the fact that as we drift from God, we also drift from things that emanate from God, such as mercy. Mercy is a central biblical theme. Uh, and the world is so contrary to mercy, um, but God works differently. Um, there are a couple of verses I want to highlight in Psalms. So Psalm 25, verse 6 to 7. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. What an amazing encouragement. God loves us. In mercy, he doesn't treat us as we deserve, but he treats us as his children. Proverbs 14.21 says, uh, it is a sin to despise one's neighbour, but blessed is the one who is kind and needy. So what is mercy? God's mercy in the Old Testament is really, really clear. Psalm 103 verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Hosea, the prophet, he continues with this metaphor of the father and child to demonstrate mercy. In, in Hosea 11, 1-4, he says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk taking them by their arms, but they did not realize that it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. What an amazing picture of mercy. And then also in Proverbs 1 verse 24, I really love this image, it says, but since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand. And you get this idea that 
Even though the Israelites were a wayward people who had disobeyed God's commands, who had broken his laws, who were worshipping something else, God is there with his arms outstretched. And I think that image encapsulates what it means with mercy. Now, Jesus in the New Testament is equally clear and equally demonstrates mercy. If you look at Jesus, he responds to all kinds of human need. He heals the blind and the thousands of people. He casts out demons. Wherever you see Jesus, he is always meeting the needs of those who cannot help themselves. So how do we define mercy? Well, I was looking at the dictionary of the later New Testament and its development. You know, I said last week, the titles of these dictionaries is, is something else. The dictionary of the later New Testament and its developments. And it says this. The Greek word frequently translated into English as mercy is primarily used in the sense of compassion, pity, sympathy, or clemency. Clemency, for those who don't know, is withholding or not giving judgment where people deserve a bad judgment. The word occurs mainly in the context of ethical exhortation, that is encouragement. In addition, since ethics is related to relationships, the word appears especially where person-to-person -person relationships are involved, whether it is God having compassion or pity on a person, or individuals having compassion towards one another. Uh, Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Dictionary adds that mercy is the aspect of God's love that causes him to help the miserable. Just as grace is the aspect of his love that moves him to forgive the guilty, those who are miserable may be so either because of the breaking of God's law or because of circumstances beyond their control. And then the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary says, in both Old and New Testament, mercy is an action taken by the strong towards the weak, by the rich towards the poor the insider towards the outsider, those who have towards those who have not. Mercy, as a given by God, is the foundation of forgiveness. So you get this idea that mercy is when we are compassionate towards people, when we're kind towards people, when, you know, we don't shout at them when they cut us up when we're driving or you know, my, my pet peeve when they block the pavement when I'm taking my children to school and, and inconsiderate parking. Mercy extends compassion, forgiveness. It is something that looks to help. And so we find that mercy is actually not an abstract thing that we think about, not a value that we take on board in our minds, but mercy is an action. Kind of, if you hear nothing else about mercy today, hear that mercy is an action. God acts to us in a compassionate, loving, forbearing, patient, and kind way. Romans 2 verse 4, Yet do you not know that God's kindness leads you to repentance? It's God's mercy that leads us to a place where we can be forgiven. And there are two actions here. God withholds punishment and God acts with mercy, that is kindness and patience, 
and love towards us. I think that's, that, that's a phenomenal thing. Now, there needs to be something that we need to clarify in this. It's important to mention that mercy doesn't truth. By showing mercy, we are not endorsing sinful behavior. Sometimes there is a confusion in that. If you remember the scripture we just looked at, that God's kindness leads us towards repentance, not acceptance of sin. And so the mercy of God always has a direction that it brings us to a place where we repent of the wrongdoing that we have been doing. We do not remain in the sin and we do not encourage others to remain in the sin or what God declares to be a lifestyle or activity that is not good. We mentioned at the start of this section that, you know, these are Jesus' expectation of those who are believers, of those who say, I want to follow Jesus. His expectation is that in the same way that God shows mercy to us, that we would show mercy to other people. And there's a warning here about not showing mercy. Matthew 18 to 23 gives this, what really is a tragic parable. Let me read it to you. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of pounds. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, mercy, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand pounds. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. What an amazing parable. It demonstrates that, you know, we are forgiven and so we need to forgive. We have received mercy and so we need to show mercy to others. It is a human kind of sin that excuses the fault. I don't know if you've ever had the experience, but knowing how good you all are, you've probably never had this, but if you drive a car, 
Have you ever criticized how somebody else has driven only to drive like that yourself and you excuse it? And you know, there's something that kind of says, well, other people should be punished, but I should be excused. And it doesn't work like that. It's evidently clear that those who want to follow Jesus will show the same mercy that they have received from him. Think about this for a moment. Jesus, at the point of arrest, was then taken away and tortured. And yet, at the point of arrest, he said to his disciples, Do you think I cannot call on my Father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Any idea how many a legion is? One Roman legion consists of 5,400 legionaries. So Jesus said his father could have made his disposal 64,800 angels. Now, I would hazard a guess that if they came down, Jesus would have been okay. And yet Jesus didn't call them down because he was acting in mercy. Now, this is probably one of those hard teachings of the Bible. Often, we want payback. One of the sad things is to see how the Pharisees in the New Testament had lost all sense of mercy. Sadly, even today, there are many Christian groups and all they care about is being right, not about showing mercy. Mark chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Just to give you some background, the Jews believed that healing was work, and because on the Sabbath they had to rest from their work because of the law of Moses, to heal somebody was a sin. Okay, that's what they believed. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at their hard hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. And then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. What a hard heart. And these were the religious leaders. These were the pastors. They were the bishops. You know, they were these guys in spiritual positions, and they had a hard heart. And yet Jesus was merciful. So how do we navigate mercy? Well, God gives us a really great example. He treats people as though they were in his family. Have you ever noticed that even though we might be unmerciful to other people in family, have you noticed that? Somebody across the road does it, yeah, get him into prison, get him arrested, get him fined, get him this. If it's our own family, well, they're young. You know, let's excuse them, let's give them another chance. How about we treat people as brothers and sisters? How about we treat older people like our parents, younger people like our children? Maybe that will help us 
to be far more merciful to those around us. I remember hearing the story, I can't remember whether we, we watched it on a video here, but I remember hearing the story um, of a guy who, when he was driving, you know, people were consistently bad at driving, cutting him up and all kinds of stuff. And his response often was, oh, that poor person, they're probably rushing to hospital to visit a loved one. And he took that kind of attitude. Whenever he saw somebody driving badly or driving too fast, he said, they're probably just rushing away to visit a loved one. Let's show some mercy and some grace in the context. I might not agree with that that would be affecting everyone, but I love his soft heart towards other people. Here's a simple truth we need to remember about judgment. Romans 12, 19 to 20. Dear friends, never take revenge. You know, those words should in many ways be etched somewhere where we would see them every single day. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your, enemy, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap coals uh, of shame upon their heads. It's a real challenge for us that we treat people with mercy. As we trust in God, that we will recognize that we can forgive all people. We can act in mercy. You see, when we trust in God, we know that when Jesus comes back, when the final trumpet sounds and Jesus returns and the books will be opened, people will give account for every single word they've uttered, for every action they've done. There is no need for us to look for vengeance on this earth. In fact, if our act of kindness can help people to see Jesus in a better light and to understand how forgiveness works and so receive forgiveness themselves so that they can come and be forgiven by Jesus, surely that's a good thing. You know, the people of God have always been recognized as those who forgive others. When we look through the ages at Christians who were persecuted, they didn't fight back. They didn't call people names. They didn't take up arms against them. They trusted God. And, and there's a really big question this morning. As we look at mercy, how much do you really trust God? Do you trust that every wrong that is being done, God will sort out? You, you cannot worry your own mind about that. You know, a relief, you know. For some of us, I hope it's a relief this morning to recognize that we do not have to be the one who brings judgment on all the wrongdoing of people. We can very safely leave that in the hands of Jesus. And we can forgive people. We can act in mercy and blessing. And we can leave the wrath and the judgment to something that God will do. John Stott, in his commentary uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, says, Our God is a merciful God and shows mercy continuously. The citizens of his kingdom must show mercy too. In the end, this blessing, this beatitude says, Blessed are the merciful, 
for they will be shown mercy. If we are not merciful, then we will not receive the mercy. One is a condition of the other. John Stott clarifies as he says, this is not because uh, we can merit mercy by mercy or forgiveness by forgiveness, but because we cannot receive the mercy and forgiveness of God unless we repent. And we cannot claim to have repented of our sins if we are unmerciful towards the sins of others. And so the challenge this morning is let's be merciful. Let's ask the Spirit to help us to be merciful this week. For we ourselves have received mercy. I want to finish with a quote from John Stott this morning. For to be meek is to acknowledge to others that we are sinners. To be merciful is to have compassion on others, for they too are sinners. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. I want to thank you that you are merciful. I want to thank you that you are a God who is full of compassion, that you do not give us what we deserve, but you lavish us with love and with kindness. And Lord, I want to pray this morning. I want to pray first of all, you know, have a sense this morning that maybe some of us need to receive God's mercy. If you think that you've committed the unpardonable sin, that you've committed a sin so bad or that you're a, re a repetitive sinner and God can't forgive you, well, let me tell you you're wrong. If you come to him humbly and you repent and you say, forgive me, he will forgive you every single time. He will show you mercy because he is a merciful God. And so, Father, I pray for those who struggle to receive mercy. I pray this morning that you would help them to receive mercy. I pray that you would help them to understand that your kindness leads them to repentance. And Father, the second thing I want to pray this morning is that we would be a merciful group of people. I pray that you would help us. I pray this week especially as we think about it, that you would help us to be merciful to those who have wronged us, to be merciful to those who do things that make us angry, to be merciful on those that uh, we want to judge and have revenge on. Father, I pray that you would speak that word mercy into our hearts and minds. Father, give us a song. Be like the unmerciful servant who was forgiven but refused to forgive. And so, Father, this morning we ask, help us, by your Spirit, help us to be merciful to those around us. And Father, we entrust into your hand judgment and wrath because you are the only one who can wield that in a fair manner. And so, Lord, we bless you. We pray today that you would watch over us. We remember again before you those who are sick, those who can't be with us, and we ask that you would minister life into them in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.